Welcome. Let us pray before we begin and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, what a, what a blessing it is and a privilege that you have sought it in your infinite wisdom, in your perfect wisdom, to purchase sinners, those that were enemies of God. And not only did you adopt us by faith in Christ, but you have a seat for us at your table. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity once again. Don't let it be another Sunday where we just walk in and walk out the doors the same way we walked in. On the contrary, Lord, remind us of what the Lord Jesus did for us. And as we are reminded of that great truth, Lord, restore the joy to our hearts. Restore the joy to your people, remembering that they now have been reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father, that that would be true, not just of your people, but of anyone here that doesn't know you. That they too, today, put their faith and trust in Jesus. He's our only hope in this life and the next. And we ask this in his blessed and holy name. Amen. Like I said, it's a, uh, it's a privilege to to be able to worship the Lord together. And hopefully this morning, I don't want to be too long because precisely it's a little bit more um, entailed in terms of, of all the activities that we, uh, of the baptism and the, and the Lord's table. So I'll try to be as brief as possible. Baptism, I know for all of you and for many of us, it is not a, something that is foreign to our culture. Right? For many of us, we know what baptism is. Perhaps we've seen it. Now you may think of baptism looks a certain way, but at the end of the way, you have a concept in your mind of what baptism is. Many of us, at least for me, and I speak out of experience, it was me, my parents taking me to a church where there was a priest, and those godparents were there, and they lowered me, and they sprinkled some water on me to remove that um, ordinary sin that I, that I uh, have, right? Um, that may be your experience as well, and that's what you're familiar with, and that's okay. Others have been brought up in the faith, and, and, and you're Protestant. You didn't grow up in the Roman, uh, Roman Catholic Church. And maybe you were baptized in a different way. That's okay. And you thought, hey, you have to get baptized at some point. When are you going to get baptized? And you perhaps were pressured by your parents, hey, when are you going to get baptized? It's already time. You know? Maybe that was your situation and your circumstance. Regardless of where you land, our, my heart here this morning is to open up the scriptures. Not to give you my opinion, I, hopefully you're not interested in what I have to say, because I'm fallible, I have nothing interesting to say, but God's word is perfect, and that why, that's why we can look to God's word and actually glean upon his word and say, what do you have to say about baptism? Now, as we go through this, we're going to be reading out of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. The Gospel of Matthew, again, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We go out of Matthew. The Gospel story is not confined only to one Gospel writer. As a matter of fact, it's, this goes in all, in all of them. Matthew gives us a little bit more of a full view, not that the other ones cut them short for whatever reason. It's just that we get a little bit more detail here in terms of Matthew. So 
Why baptism? Why partake of this act, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I guess you can say, well, Jesus did it, and you would be right. Jesus did get baptized, and we're going to see that. But was that, is that the only reason why we get baptized? Well, Jesus did it, therefore I must do it too. You wouldn't be wrong. But then the question that we have to ask is, why then did Jesus get baptized? What does baptism mean? And we have to dig a little bit deeper. And again, Scripture doesn't leave, leave us silent or kind of you know, figuring out, okay, we'll put the puzzle pieces together. Scripture tells us. And we're going to see that here this morning. So in Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to read the entire uh, chapter because I want us to get a little bit of the context. I will focus on verses 13 through 17. However, we need the entire context of Matthew chapter 3. So read with me. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now. For, this, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went out from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And this is a reading of God's word. Immediately in verse 13, we see that Jesus has an expectation. His expectation is he's coming from Galilee and he's going to go to John. Not to greet him and just chit-chat a little bit and say, hey, how's it going? How's the ministry going? He's going there for a specific reason and that's to be baptized by him. That's Jesus' expectation. And so, like I said, 
Jesus' baptism is recorded in all of the Gospels. Matthew gives us a little bit more further, a further look. And the reason I read all of Matthew 3 is because it's important to understand what was John the Baptist doing prior to Jesus arriving and his exchange with him. What was John doing? He was saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's exactly what he was doing. He's there in the River Jordan. We know that this was his ministry, and we'll get a little bit more into that in a second. But Jesus is leaving Galilee to go to John. Why would the creator, the sustainer, John's creator, why would the creator go to his creation to get baptized by him? Think about this for a second. I mean, he's going to him, saying, you're going to baptize me. Of course, and we're going to see that here. We have to understand that John's ministry doesn't start when Jesus comes to him. John the Baptist's ministry already had begun from when? From when he was in the womb. Zechariah received an angel, remember the, the, the story there in John, and he says, hey, he, he, he's going to go ahead and lead God's people. He's going to bring them back. Luke, Luke 1 actually goes into this and says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped into her womb. Why? Because from that, mo- from, from that moment in history, John was already, his ministry was to make paths the straight of the Lord. He was going to preach Repentance. Come to him. And all of, Matthew, uh, all of Matthew in this chapter up to this point is exactly that. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when he's in the river Jordan, who is he preaching to? He's preaching to the Jews. And notice what he says there as we read for context. He's telling the Jews, hey, Repent. Because everybody was coming to be baptized, confessing their sins. So does that mean that Jesus was going to go down to there and also confess his sins? No, that's not what it means. Jesus is going to go there for another reason, and we're going to find that out in a second. But for now, the context is that John is in the River Jordan. Here you have, just picture that for a second. You have all these Jews, and you have all these people feeling that they're righteous, right? They're, they're, they're going to get baptized and say, wait, 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 stop. You think that you have salvation because what? Because Abraham is your father? Is that why? Then you have it all wrong. Your salvation, even you as you sit there, your salvation is not based on your lineage. Your salvation is not based on what, if you're Jewish or you have some descendants of, of Jewish or you have Jewish ancestors. Oh yeah, well, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm a Jew of such and such tribe. Eh, wrong. Because salvation comes by faith in Christ alone. And that is where John is going to get to. You have to confess your sins and turn to Christ. That is who I'm preaching. And John has the right heart. John has the absolute right heart here. If you notice in, in, in verses 14 and 15, And this is the encounter that now Jesus has with him. John says, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? 
John was filled with the Holy Spirit. Fully filled by the Holy Spirit. Why would John say that? Now, how many of us would have amen what John just said? All of us would have said 100%. You need, John, Jesus, you need to baptize him, not the other way around. We would, all of us would have amen that statement. John is the same one that in John chapter 3, he says, You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I have been, I have been sent before him. He was the forerunner. That's John the Baptist ministry. He's a forerunner. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. You would say, I know many of you, I have said that, right? Don't make much of me. Make much of Jesus. That was precisely John's heart. Don't put the spotlight on me. The spotlight belongs on him. And so John's heart is in the right place. Now, what happens? Does John would have prevented him? Again, but this is a picture of who we are. John, with everything right, completely right in his doctrine, would have prevented Jesus from getting baptized. Because that's many times what we do. We put God in such a box that we think my ways are the right ways. My traditions are the right ones. And next thing you know, we don't really don't have anything to say for what God really wants to do. Because I superimpose my will, what I think God is up to, or what I think God should be doing, instead of waiting and saying, God, what is it that you really want to do? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Put it another way, your ways are not mine. In other words, you are not on the same playing field, amigo. You get that? I'm up here. You're down here. Get in line. Know your place before a holy God. Know your place before a holy God. Lest you get it wrong and, and we're completely messed up at that point declares the Lord. He says, Isaiah 59 continues, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and your thoughts and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This became real just a couple days ago. For some time we've been saying, who's going to get baptized? Francesca and Joshua. Then on Friday, come Sebastian can I talk to you sends me a text message late at night can I talk to you tomorrow because we had a youth group on Friday sure buddy everything alright I just need to talk to you and we sat and we spoke and we spoke and I just listened and he just poured his heart out if I was set in my ways, thinking, okay, well, you need to fill out this questionnaire, wait four weeks, wait to have a couple of people sit down and talk to me, 
right, and ask you questions, and then we'll determine if the real, if the Lord is really in your heart. You know, if beloved, His ways are way higher than mine. That being said, I'm not saying don't be prudent. I'm not saying that there's any wisdom. Then all of a sudden, here, hey, raise your hand. Everybody just come in and let's just get baptized today. I get it. Some people may say, hey, you know what? Don't, don't prohibit the people. You see Philip and the eunuch, right? Philip and the eunuch are there. He's, trying, he's reading the scriptures. He can't make sense of the scriptures. And here comes Philip and, and, and disclosing Isaiah to him. And he says, what's preventing me from being baptized? There's a, some water over there. Let's go. Philip didn't sit down and have a whole questionnaire for him. We do it, yes, because there are certain safeguards that we can put in place. But I have to submit that if I'm seeing and I'm pressing. Now, that's not to say that whatever he told me that day, I'm saying, okay, that's it. You're getting baptized officially. No, I said, hey, talk to another brother. Let him press you. Let him ask a little bit more questions. Let's see if what you told me, he understands the same thing. And if he does, I have no reason to withhold you, withhold you getting baptized. That became real to me. We have so many ways and so many traditions, so many things that we put in place. And rightly so. We have to protect That's what I'm called to do as a pastor, to protect the sheep. There's many people that will come in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to get baptized. And Look, in Acts, we saw that as we were going through Acts. People came by the droves. There's no way that they were all going to know who was who, who was really in Christ and who wasn't. Even Paul said, you know, some of us, they 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 were among us, but they weren't of us. It happens. It will happen. But on my end, as a pastor... I want to make sure as much as I can, but at the end of the day, Lord, if this child, if this person, if this adult has put their faith and trust in you, and they want to obey and follow in your footsteps, and I know because with Sebastian, maybe perhaps a little bit easier, I was having a lot of conversations with him all the way since April. I've been having conversations with him. So it wasn't something that just came out of the spur of the moment, because I know the sibling rivalry well, she's going to get baptized. Well, I don't want to seem like I'm left out. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get baptized too, right? It happens. It happens. And I wanted to make sure, brother, this isn't this is in your heart. I want to sure you're getting baptized for the right reason. Not because people are going to look at you. Hey, how come your brother didn't get baptized? I know some of you probably asked that already. What about your brother? Don't worry. The Lord has him and his timing will always be perfect. But that is the point of what's happening here. There's many times that we get in the way and the work of the Lord if we're not careful. Let us always submit to his scriptures. I'm very cautious, but I also have learned to not put God in a box. And and Jesus here at this point brings, after John's comment, he brings forth a very, a couple of questions arise, right? Because Jesus says something interesting. So if John's baptism is for those that are confessing their sins and repenting, then why did Jesus get baptized? Why did Jesus get baptized? Because Jesus says, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
That was Jesus' response to John. No, no, you baptize me, not me, you. And he says, no, do it. Right now, this is what we must do to fulfill all righteousness. What righteousness are we talking about here? If Jesus, if John is profess, if John is baptizing those that are confessing their sins and repenting, then what business does Jesus have being there and telling John, you're going to baptize me? Because at the end, of, we believe that Jesus is perfect. He didn't sin. So what gives? This doesn't make sense. Well, in a way it does. But you have to go to the Old Testament for that. Because when you go back to Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, verses 11 and 12, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, speaking of Jesus, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. He was numbered with the transgressors. What's happening is that Jesus, the only righteous one, is identifying with us sinners. At that moment, Jesus is identifying with us because what does the law demand? We heard it a couple weeks ago when Arturo was here. What does the law demand? Perfection. If you're going to be in God's good graces, you better be perfect. But the problem is the law reminds me I am not and I will not be ever. I will never be perfect. I will never be sufficiently perfect for God to say, you know what, Edwin, you finally got it. Come. Never. Not me or anyone. And so I need someone to have perfection in my place because that is what the law demands. And the only one that can fulfill all righteousness is Jesus. That's the bottom line. So you can try, and I know some of you are still trying. Some of you are still trying to figure out, you know, if I just make a couple of changes in my life, if I maybe modify, maybe if I just become a better husband, maybe if I lie a little less, I'll be on the right track. The problem is that you're a sinner at your core. All of you is permeated with sin. Your best intentions are stained by sin. That's the point. And you need to be unblemished to be before him. Without stain. And the only one that could provide that remedy was Jesus. But before he can do that, he needed to do this. He needed to actually identify with us. Leon Morris says it this way. Jesus might well have been up there in front. Remember who's in front of him. Remember who's in front of him. All the Sadducees, all the Pharisees, all the people from around. It says he might as well have been up there in the front, standing with John and calling on sinners to repent, which Jesus would have been 100% right to do. Instead, he was down there 
with sinners, affirming his solidarity with them, making himself one with them in the process of the salvation that he would in due course accomplish. Baptism was a foreshadowing of what he would do years later. That he would go to the cross and pay for our sins. That whosoever believes in him, puts their faith in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. We can say that verse so often and so flippantly and so, yeah, 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 if, if you confess, yeah, you, um, whosoever, whosoever believes in him, yeah, yeah, do you believe? Yeah, let, let's, let's pray. We can say it so quickly as if something, but we forget the weight of it. What that particular verse is tied to is the fact that someone went to the cross for us. Someone paid your debt fully on the cross. First Corinthians 15, it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, who is Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. That is the ministry of him. Your Savior identified with you way before you identified with him publicly. If that doesn't bring you joy, that Jesus is not just on some pedestal, though he could have, and that's his rightful place. Instead, he comes down and he mingles among us. That's why it makes you think, why was he the friend of sinners? That's why. He was called the friend of sinners for a reason. He made full atonement for our sin. And finally, verses 16 and 17. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Don't focus on the dove. Don't focus on the dove. The dove is not the point. The fact that we have the triune God here in this particular portion of Scripture. The triune God that is completely involved in salvation. I mean, beloved, it's, it's puzzling to me, I mean, that he, that sometimes I, let me, let me make it more personal, that I, that at times I just do away with Jesus and I just put him to the side sometimes thinking I have this and I forget the words of God. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That sometimes just escapes my mind. And I think I have all the liberty because Christ purchased my liberty. I have the liberty to do whatever I want. And I forget, hey, Come back. Follow me. Trust me. This is the one whom I sent. It's okay to trust him. At the end of the day, it was precisely him 
who fulfilled all righteousness. And when you think of Jesus, why did he fulfill all righteousness? Not because he was forced to. Jesus was not hesitantly going to the cross. Yes, he prayed there in the garden, Father, if there's any other way. Yes, that is true. But scripture says that he willingly laid down his life for us. God wasn't there pushing him, fine, go, do it, go. I don't want to, I don't want to, no. He willingly laid down his life for us. He is the one that at the end of the day was counted as unrighteous so that we, by faith, can be counted as righteous in him. So beloved, what's keeping you from trusting? Come back. Come back to the one whom the father said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to his word. I know I can give you a hundred applications on how to be a better husband, a better wife, better child, better son, better daughter, better, better employee even. But the best application that you can walk away with here this morning is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's the only application that matters. Because if we don't, then what awaits us is eternal separation from God because that is what sinners deserve. But in Christ, in Jesus, by faith, you can be reconciled to him. Are you hearing me? Don't wait. And precisely the testimonies here this morning are to testify to that exact truth. That it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Now, I am not naive enough to think that Sebastian, Francesca, and Joshua somehow will walk a perfect and righteous life from here until God calls them home. Because none of you do, and neither do I. But the fact of the matter is that their salvation has been secured in Jesus. Tomorrow, or maybe even later today, or maybe this afternoon, when they fall short, God is not going to go ahead and switch his mind and say, time out. Did, did we make a mistake here? No. Because your salvation is secured in him. And all whom the Father have given me has given me, none will be cast out. Not one has Jesus lost. And not you, and not Francesca, nor Sebastian, nor Joshua will be the first. Trust him. Put your faith, cast yourself upon him. Don't leave today if you are without Christ. Don't leave here today thinking, ah, maybe tomorrow, maybe next Sunday. No. Come to him today. Come to the cross. May Christ be exalted, not just from this pulpit, 
but in your heart. And the only way to do that is by you believing that he is the right one, the only one that can provide salvation for us. And so when we have baptism here this morning, it's Paul in Romans 6, 3 and 4, that says, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, we too may walk in the newness of life. No longer as those in the way we used to walk, in the counsel of the ungodly, in the counsel of the wicked, as Psalm 1 says, but now walking with him with Jesus as the captain of my soul, as my savior, my anchor. So baptism is not so much about Francesca, Sebastian, or Joshua. Baptism has everything to do with the one that identified with us sinners first. He is the one that purchased our salvation on the cross. Romans 2.29 But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Let your praises be from God alone. And the most comforting passage that we can hear in, in, in Ezekiel 36, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Do you understand that in our sin we were dead in our trespasses and God revived us by his mercy, by his grace. And today I pray that you would come to understand that amazing truth. As you hear these testimonies who testify not of themselves, but of the one who saved them. The one that they are trusting in. May you and I be comforted. May you and I be reminded when you too got baptized. Some of you remember what that day was like. You're no longer, you're publicly professing. You're publicly identifying now. He's my savior. I'm not turning back. Though at times I may doubt. Though at times I, I can't make sense and why I do this, the foolishness that I do. But I remember to look to Jesus. I remember to keep holding on to him. I think that I'm, my, my, my grip is, is slipping. And I remember that he's the one holding on to me. May you remember that he is holding on to you. Until the day he calls you home. And if anyone here doesn't know, as I said, come to Jesus. Don't let another minute go by without coming to him. In faith, in repentance. Amen? Amen. Father, pray now that you would quicken hearts. That you would quicken hearts, open eyes, open ears. 
to understand and apply that the gospel isn't just for their neighbor or for someone outside of themselves, but the gospel is for all of us. I pray, Father, that you will work in their hearts, that they too would be known and come to your family by faith in Jesus. And your children, Lord, that your children would be reminded once again of the joy that they have. Lord, that they've been purchased once and for all, that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. May they continue clinging to Christ. May the Holy Spirit be pleased to work in the heart of your people, sanctifying them, believing that you are completing the work that you have begun in their hearts. May they continue to look to Jesus all the days. And may you continue to help us as a church family to come around now, Joshua, Francesca, and Sebastian, and to to encourage them to continue pursuing Jesus, to continue looking to the cross, to continue looking to the author of their faith. Help us now to do that unto your glory, Lord Jesus. We are your body and you are the head and we will always submit to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We ask this in your blessed and holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.